to A Novel Evening, as always, I'm Danny. You can find me over on Instagram as at A Novel Evening Podcast and the same over on TikTok. Hello and welcome yet again to another episode. And this time I'm going to talk about a book which I, when I tell you I binge read this, we all know I love fantasy. It's my absolute first love. And this book took me into a whole new world which I adored because the city of Stardust, the author is Georgia Summers. And oh my goodness, do I want you guys to meet Violet Everly. What a character, what a realm she has made. Just, it's incredible. I cannot wait to talk about it. I don't want to give it anything away because I genuinely think people need to pick up this book. You need to get lost in this world. Also, I think she's written possibly one of my favourite villains ever. I am obsessed with her main villain uh, and I can't wait to ask her all about the incarnation of this story where this idea came from how she kept track of it all uh, and I cannot wait to hear all about her novel evening so a huge hello to Georgia hello hello how are you doing I'm good thank you how are you I am good I'm good so first and foremost remind me of the release date of your book so let's start kick things right off when is your book coming out into the world so it came out on the 25th of January. Yes, that's right. I nearly said September. That's not right. Um, so it came out last Thursday in the UK, which is very exciting. And it comes out today in the States. So that's a, I had the two dates absolutely muddled up. So firstly, congratulations today on our recording day for it coming out in the States. Does it feel real yet that these books are out in the world? No, not at all. It was we've we had an event on the Thursday and I, it was just, I was like, what do you mean you're not all my friends and family? And I don't intimately know every single one of you. Um, no, but it's been really astonishing. Um, I'm still not, I'm still like, I'm waiting for it to hit me. And I just don't think it's hit me yet. Have you seen your book out in the wild? Have you been out and had a search? Oh yeah, I did. I did that thing where I was like, I was like, I'm going to go into Waterstones Piccadilly and it's going to be there and nobody's going to know. Like, I, like it's just going to be for me. I'm just going to have a look. And then I did that. And then I went and bought some books. And as soon as I got to the counter, the bookseller was like, oh, have you seen it? And I was like, seen what? And she was like, your, your book. Um, Because she, she sort of recognized me. And I was like, oh God, oh. it's so cringy. Yes, I have gone to see my book. um, And just sort of, you know, pet it gently and be like, good luck out there. Um, goodness. Yeah, I mean, I'm very lucky. I have a beautiful proof copy that is stunning. Do you have different designs for the US and for the UK? They're mostly the same, actually. So, but the the they've got very subtle differences. But actually, they're both really, really beautiful. I've been so lucky. I mean, they've been, and I could say I had nothing to do with it. They've been, they've done a phenomenal job, really, on both sides. Um, so I feel like very, very lucky. Oh my god! I mean, it's beautiful, and I mean, it must feel even more when you see your book, and it is stunning. That must be feeling more surreal when you've got those books that you know. I'm a bookstagrammer, and the one thing I want is for my book to be like beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I, I, I like, I literally, I'm literally speechless at how beautiful they are and how amazing it's been. So let's for listeners who are not familiar with the city of Stardust. Let's dive in with a little bit of a an abridged version of what your book is about. Tell us the the lowdown. The book is about the Everly family um, who are cursed by this woman named Penelope. And every generation, she takes kind of one of their best and brightest. And all they know really about Penelope is that she never ages, she never gets sick, and she kind of never forgives a debt. Um, so Marianne Everly, the sort of one of the 
the sort of the sister of the Everly family decides to go out into the world to try and break this curse and never returns. And so her daughter becomes the person the curse falls on. And so as a so as a grown-up, she sort of decides to go after her mother to try and find her mother and break the curse and kind of stumbles into this sort of adventure of gods and monsters and these sort of mysterious power-hungry scholars who are sort of very sort of seductive and glamorous, but also just a little bit maybe, maybe a little bit evil. Um, so that's kind of what the story is about. I absolutely devoured this book. I loved it. Fantasy is is always my first love. And especially when you're giving me new worlds and things I haven't seen before. And I'm going to say that Penelope is possibly one of my favorite villains of all time. Oh, thank you. Oh, I do. I do. I, I really like her as a character. Um, yeah. she's... And she's complex. She's not just kind of a one dimensional baddie. We've got, there is layers to Penelope. Yeah. It's one of those things where I'm like, you know, if you look at the book from her view, you can see that she does not think of herself as a morally gray character. Like she's not a villain who's like, I'm a villain and I'm doing villainous, villainous things and I'm enjoying it. She believes genuinely that she, what she is doing is right for the long term, that it's her version of justice. It's her version of fairness. Um, and I kind of really like that. I like that she was like, no, actually, this is this is correct. I think if you sort of look at her from her point of view, you could sort of see like, yeah. I wouldn't agree with everything she does or, or anything she does, but I can see why she's doing these things and why she believes in it. Yeah. And where did this idea come from for you? Um, it was one of those things that sort of came to me in bits and pieces, like very hodgepodge, like um, one of the things that, you know, I was thinking of is how much I love portal stories. And, you know, I really kind of, I've always loved portal stories. And from there, you kind of think about like Narnia and going through the wardrobe or his dark materials and also sitting inside a wardrobe. Um, I feel like there are a lot of books about children sitting inside wardrobes, yeah. <laughs> uh, weirdly enough. Um, but, you know, I was also, it was sort of wrote it during the pandemic. And so I was thinking about how much I'd love to go somewhere and I couldn't go anywhere. Um, I remember particularly being really proud of myself being like, Haha, they all say it's gonna be three weeks. I don't think we're getting out of here until June, 2020. Um, and then feeling less smug when June, 2020 came around and I was like, oh no, we are still, we are still in our houses. Yep. 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 You were like, oh, less smug, more fed up. <laughs> yes. So I was like, I can't go anywhere. So my main character is going to go everywhere. Um, and, you know, I mean, there's like a short story I wrote at university that sort of ended up in the book. There's like Spirited Away fan art that I really liked that I was like, oh, I had like this idea from from that. I mean, there's kind of all sorts in here. I just really like stuck everything that I loved into the book yeah and we travel about a lot so have you visited the place in the book are they dream places you'd like to visit I visited most of the places I actually the the route that Violet takes through Europe is very similar to a route that I took backpacking ah. um and I think particularly I was like trying to draw on the things that I remembered because I knew I couldn't go out and do the research and you know beyond like google maps um and it was kind of also like wish fulfillment. Like, oh, I'd love to go back there again. I'd love to go and see all the museums, um, which is why there's a museum in the book. Um, yep. So yeah, for me, it was it was kind of it was kind of nice to be able to share my love of these places. And Violet is a tourist as well, so you know, it's not like I was, I didn't feel like I had to really stretch because I wasn't writing it from the perspective of somebody who belongs there. I'm writing from the from the perspective of an outsider. 
And how much kind of planning was involved in the plot? Because it's quite a complex story and you weave in lots of different characters, lots of different places, real and, you know, created in your mind. How did you find kind of weaving that web? I wish I'd say I'd planned it. I don't plan anything in my life, um, <laughs> as my friends and family can attest to. Um I I don't I don't know the truth the genuine the genuine truth is, is I don't really know it really came to me in like layers so you know there's characters in there who didn't make it in until the last draft and you know um things like um like the short there's sort of there's like for context there's like fairy tales that sort of interweave throughout the book and those didn't come in for I think maybe until like the second draft and as soon as I wrote them I was like oh okay I know where we're going now um yeah there was kind of a lot of it took me a long time there was like a really horrible ending at one point where they were just in the desert for hours I don't I don't know what I was going with that one um there's also a draft where they were teenagers for 30,000 words and my agent was like unless you want it to be YA which I don't think you do and I was like no this is an adult book he was like well maybe maybe don't have them be teenagers for so long <laughs> um I was like oh no it's fine I'm I'm an editor I'm I've done this before um so you know it was kind of yeah it was it was a lot of trial and error um but I think that's really yeah. fascinating I think that's I think that's nice for people who are writing to know as well that you can make mistakes you can you know mess things up in one draft and you can change things I think some people have this idea that you have to write this perfect story from the get-go and it's the only way it's going to get in the world is if suddenly you have this one incredible nugget of an idea that hits the page and is flawless from start to finish and it's nice when you hear stories like evolved and grown and changed. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, it's one of, I mean, unfortunately, I also believe that everybody else gets to write a messy draft. And I must write a perfect first draft. <laughs> um, I'm sure that's a more, co- I thought it's a very common uh, thought process. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it's one of those things where it's really, it was really interesting writing it and then listening to the feedback that my agent and editor gave because there's so many pitfalls that you know you know I I was an editor like I I worked on a lot of books um and there's so many common pitfalls that I had also fallen into and I was like oh oh I've told people not to do this and I've done it so many times you know like the one you know like that's the one where it's like maybe don't have the same conversation with the same character like three times in a row in the book maybe have just the one and then move on and I was like yeah. oh yeah I did that mm-hmm, I did that so it's it's kind of been interesting to to it's, even I've editors been, do it too <laughs> yes yeah like I've been describing it as it's not like a wizard in a tower going like oh yes I have got this perfect mix of things and they're going to be perfect it's like nope it we're all very sadly human <laughs> Because, yeah, it's like, I imagine people think if you've worked in something like editing, you've got the perfect formula. You know how to write the perfect book. And it's, it's lies. Like, you're hu- yeah, <laughs> it's all lies. You're still human beings. And I think it's also the exploring process of writing, right? You're going to make mistakes because you've got to explore that story. Yeah, I think it's important to do, you know, it's important to do that. And I think, you know, to do what's safe, is to limit yourself um, or to do what you're very comfortable with. And I was not comfortable with a lot of this. I think this book is, uh, you know, I've drawn drafts of other horrible books before. um, And I will say like, this was very ambitious for a lot of reasons. Um, And it was a hard, it was hard to get right. It's a book with a lot of scope as well. I think there's, and I, I could feel, maybe feel some inspirations coming in in little areas. And I really loved that. I feel like there were some homages to, other fantasy stories that I really love 
and I'm a big fan of kind of I don't want to give things away but like a hierarchy system I kind of enjoy I enjoy seeing that and I enjoyed the relationship with the scholars and I think when I don't want to give anything away again in terms of relationships when you wrote Violet and Alexander were they kind of were those characters that were fully formed did their relationships change as you were writing did the did they change as characters really interestingly I don't think they did that much um I think I really I in I think even in the beginning it was always really important to me that so Alexander is the assistant to Penelope who's this woman who's you know whisking away these Everleys and maybe also other people's children um uh and um and that and so and I think you know it's, it's from the beginning of the book you know he really doesn't know this but the Everleys are aware of this sort of barring Violet so you know they're sort of they're sort of two, and they meet very young and they're sort of two young people who are really left in the dark and I just thought it was really important for me that they're sort of they're almost on opposites they're almost on sort of like parallel paths yeah um and then they have this moment where they where they where they sort of do come together um and it's sort of you know it's that kind of singular moment where I wouldn't even call it like romance but it's like what is that you know what is it what does it mean for someone to be defined by another person to have this moment that is defining and it's caused by another person on both ends and then you know what happens when that person leaves like what what and they're sort of they've left you in the sort of like almost like mess of deciding who you are um and then what happens again if you meet later on so that was kind of what I was thinking of a lot when I wrote the book and I think you definitely feel as I was reading it there's a real kind of strong sense of relationship in this it really the central stories although you've got this amazing fantasy world it is about the relationships between people you know families and kind of found family and and the lives you make which I thought was really beautiful I really enjoyed I enjoyed that element a lot and I say for me Penelope I mean firstly she must be so much fun to write because she is I mean she's everything you want from a strong badass female villain yeah she was you know what she was she was a lot of fun to write I think she felt really and it's it's strange that that kind of core trio felt pretty clear to me I think pretty early on and I think it a lot of it a lot of the subsequent revisions on the book was really about building on that further rather than sort of scrapping and trying something else um um, I will say my secret favorite, and he doesn't appear until slightly later in the book, is Caspian Verne, who is somebody who kind of dances around the world of the scholars without really being one. Um, and he's great. Yeah. He's the only one who's having a good time in that book. Everybody else is like suffering and he he's like having parties and he he was a, he was great fun to write. Oh, I was gonna ask who your favorite was right. And I did have a bit of a soft spot for Caspian. I think he's a fun he's a character. There's definitely more going on there. I like the fact you can tell he's got he's got more going on with him beneath the surface, which I always really enjoy. There's a lot of secrets in this book. And I mean, in terms of the kind of family relations Violet has, when you were writing her uncles, I find them really interesting as well. The idea of these two guys kind of being left with this small child to just kind of raise. How you know, how did you build these two characters? Because they're very different in terms of brothers and their outlook on life and how they kind of raise this child. I, you know, I really I well, Violet, I knew needed to have a caretaker, and I knew it needed to be somebody who wasn't her wasn't her parents. Yeah. Um, and originally Ambrose was kind of this like really stuffy, quite sort of older guy. 
and as I went through, you know, I was, I was, I think we kind of, I kind of kept thinking about him as like, well, what if he's actually quite young? What if he's, and he's the, sort of the youngest Everly brother. It sort of goes Marianne who goes missing, Gabriel, who's, I always think of his leather jacket uncle. Um, Cause he has, <laughs> he has a leather jacket and he has a sports car that's really hideous. Um, yeah. And then you have Gabriel, uh, Ambrose, sorry, who's jumper uncle. Um, Cause I mentioned jumpers quite a lot in this book. I was really cold, I think, writing the majority <laughs> of this book. You could tell, everyone's in a jumper. Yeah, everybody is cold and a little bit unhappy. Um, and so I really like the idea that, you know, that neither of these people are really prepared to be um, parents and also that they've got quite a fractious relationship with each other. And they yeah. both kind of resent each other, I think, um, for different reasons at the beginning of the book. And they both have very different views on Marianne, who's sort of the eldest sibling. And I just, yeah, there was just something really intriguing to me about that kind of family dynamic where, you know, they love each other, but very imperfectly. Yeah, and I love that, you, you know, Violet is an only child and you still have the kind of sibling dynamic which I really enjoyed and my next question which you may or may not be able to answer is what comes next for you okay so the next um I think I can say a little bit it's so the next one is another standalone fantasy and it is basically about a book thief who inherits a magical bookshop um only to sort of stumble into this kind of murder mystery there's ink magic uh there's a shady society of booksellers who would rather like to get their hands on this magical bookshop as well and may have done some pretty nasty things to do so there's also a rival bookseller who I've been describing as having the dress sense of like a sexy undertaker um who would also quite I like was like I just tried to pitch that so vividly in my head I was like <laughs> what would that be like he wears a lot of black <laughs> we, we're down we're down for a lot of black <laughs> yeah so he's also trying to get hold of this bookshop um so yeah that's kind of what I'm working on at the moment I mean you had me at magical books and then it just kept going and when you've got like ink magic this is one for the bookworms I can see on your face you're like yeah the uh, bookworms are gonna love this I hope so. I hope so. I, you know, I worked as a, as a student as in a rare books library, and then I worked at, as a bookseller for two years, which editor. So I like to say I've seen like the life cycle of a book. So a lot of, a lot <laughs> yeah, of all my weird have. and wonderful time, I think it's gonna, it's gonna just, I'm just gonna stick it in there. Oh, I love that as well though, because I think, yeah, you're, you can tell your passion for books. Which is such a neat segue <laughs> because I I now have very high hopes for your novel evening because, you know, you've worked with rare books, you've sold books, you've edited books, you've written books. You have a plethora to go from here. So no pressure, but I'm pinning my stakes on you being pretty good at this. And you already told me when we first met that you already have ideas. So I'm like... Oh, I have a list. I have a list. Ooh, okay, so... First and foremost, where are we going to go for your evening? So I thought about this for a while. I was tempted by like a Game of Thrones feast because I feel like the food would be good, but then there would be lots of murder and that would be bad and maybe not conducive mm. to... Um, we see uh, their weddings. It's not good. A good yeah. So I was like, you know where we should go? Um, I don't know if you've read Sabriel by Garth Nix, but they have this house. I haven't and it's so high on my list and you're going to sell it to me now. Oh, oh, it's so, oh, it's so phenomenal. Oh my gosh. Okay, so... They have this house in it that sort of um, basically it's called the abortion house. And it's it's basically where the people who sort of kill the, the dead go. And it's kind of a sanctuary. And it's but it's also sort of a quite mysterious house. You know, it's got a lot of history. Um, and the one thing that Garth Nix does so 
phenomenally is with his world building he really just gives you like a glimpse of what this sort of world used to be like because it's a world that's sort of largely like past its grandeur and mm. you know you're really only getting glimpses of its history but you really do feel like you could just kind of like step off the page and keep going um and so I thought you know what I'd love to have like the the dinner there I feel like it'd be just creepy enough and weird enough everybody be a little bit on edge um but you know they've also got sendings who would like you know dress you up nicely and put down the food really nicely so you know kind of creepy but glamorous creepy but glamorous okay okay interesting I like that a little bit kind of the faded glamour a little bit kind of chipped around the edges I like that yes okay and are we eating anything particular for this feast you know, I don't know if food, there isn't a lot. I don't think, as far as I recall, there's only one real description of food and that is the description of lemons in an inn later on because the soap smells like lemons. Okay. Um, I'm not sure we can just eat lemons for a meal. Um, maybe we'll have like lemon soap in the bathroom as an homage. Just to, yeah, just to bring that forth. Okay, okay. So we're in our beautiful setting, a little bit creepy. Who's the first person who's coming? So I think it has to be said, Gideon from Gideon the Ninth. Oh, um, yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Also, what a person to have at your... I think, you know, I actually think she would get along really well in that setting. There's dead in Sabriel. There's also dead in Gideon the Ninth. She's got a sword. She's really equipped to deal with both of them. Um so I think she'd be quite a fun person to, you know, yeah, she just, she's just a like, smart mouth. She's yeah. She'd be good conversation. Yeah. And you'd also, you would know if she wasn't having a good time immediately. Yes. Yes. Like, I feel like, I feel like things would happen. So it'd be memorable if nothing else. She's going to say something that will upset somebody or she's going to bring, I mean, also we kind of love that at a party when you've got somebody who's a little bit inflammatory and you don't know where they're going to go. They're a bit, you know, a maverick. I like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm up. So I think like, she would make a great pairing with somebody like Granny Weatherwax from oh. the Terry Pratchett books because I feel like there is, you've got somebody who's essentially, you know, they're, they're two very different forms of cleverness, but oh. equally stubborn. That is such a pairing. Like that Gideon could be, could, that be. could be explosive. That could be, you just don't know where that's going to go. No, I reckon they'll probably sit at the opposite ends of the dining table just for like safety purposes. But I also feel like, I could see, I could see a sword fight between them or possibly teaching Granny Weatherwax how to fight with a sword. Yeah, and I could see some, you know, some witty retorts being thrown back and forth. I think they would really get on. Okay, this is bold already. I'm going to say that straight out the gate with two characters who are, these are bold choices. And then I'm just going to say it, he's going to have Hosier because I feel like he is, if there is one person who's actually, who, who is like a real person, I feel like he is, the fantasy, the fantasy man um, who sort of belongs in the genre. You know, you could see him being there like, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm going to write a really great song about this. I um, saw him this year. And honestly, I, when he sings, I know Gaelic is a real language. I'm aware of this. My family are Irish. But for some reason, it is like he's singing to me in like pure Elvish. Like I want to, wherever that's come from, I want to travel on it. I want to go to the realm that he's come from. He's just he's having he's having a good time. Um, I think he'd be puzzled, but I feel like he'd be <laughs> it'd be very he'd probably be the most polite house guest. He's very I think I feel like he's quite shy as a person. I don't know. Whenever I've seen interviews and things, I feel like he's quite quiet. But 
just sing. I'd be like, I'd be like, just sing for us. That's all we mm-hmm. need. You know what? He's our entertainment for that night. Yo, man, that would be, I I would, oh, I feel like Gideon and Granny Weatherwax would be an audience unlike any he would have had. Exactly. Oh I God. would also, I have, I have three more guests. Okay. I feel like it's, it's like a proper- You're winning like proper so hard. Right? Every single one I'm like, yeah. And then you threw Hosier in. You've already won. You're my favorite guest. No one has ever done that. We've got Edward Cullen because you know what? I feel like- Okay. I feel like- <laughs> I'm like, oh, she was doing so well. No, yeah. No, we've got Edward Cullen. I feel like he would be a vibe. What kind of- I just, I just want to meet him. Like, it's fine. Like, he doesn't have to be a good guest. I just want to meet him. When you say you think he'd be a vibe, I would like to delve a little more into what you mean by that. I just, you know, we've got like, we've got our really energetic people. Okay. We've got our like quiet musician um, who may or may not be real. Um, and I just feel like we need somebody to like bring the mood down a little bit. He needs to be like the awkward party guest. The one who's like, I am i can't eat food. Um, I'm just going to sit here and be pale and glitter a little bit for us. Is he kind of Robert Pattinson esque looking? Oh, very, or... absolutely. Oh, right. Yes. So this, <laughs> I was, I feel like I understand the motives a little more here. I'm not mad. I think he's, he's a beautiful chap, and I'd be very happy for him to adorn a table looking good. Just, I think for me, it's some of the like more morose, like mopey. Just let's see if we can give Edward a good time. Do you know what I mean? Just for one. Yeah, I mean, I, I just... mean, if he gets mopey, that's when you lock him in the bathroom with the nice soap. Well, we'll just leave you to it. The lemon, Enjoy soap. the lemon soap. Yeah, just go exactly. in there and smell the soap. I, yeah, maybe we could just, you know, take his mind off Bella for a, a night. He could just, I'd like to see Edward cut loose. I'd like to know what that looks like. Yeah, I think that'd be quite frightening, actually. Okay. <laughs> we are trying to remember, he's about, oh, we'll find him like drinking hosier or something and the whole night will be ruined. Okay. Oh, God. Um, and then finally, I don't know if you've read the Mediator books by Meg Cabot. They're, they're quite like an old series. Um, oh, no, tell me more. I've realized that all these people are either like ghost fighters or undead or hosier. Um, <laughs> but basically it's so it's about this this teenage girl called Suits who can see ghosts and if necessary, kick ghosts. But I think that's an actual quote from the book. I really love these books. Um, and she moves to California and she moves into this beautiful old house. And there is a cowboy ghost called Jesse who lives in there. Um, and he sort of is, of course, slight, just ever so slightly older than her. You know, he's like, I think he's like 19 to her, like 17. Ah, um, uh, but he's a ghost. And he's a really hot ghost. And he was murdered. And he doesn't know what, like, he doesn't really know who murdered him. And he helps her on her ghost quests. And they do have ghost romance. Um, and I'm just like, you know what? I feel like I would also just like to meet them to be like, you were my childhood. Welcome. Yeah, and you know what? This is the right setting. The nice thing, maybe the exception of Hosier, um, is that <laughs> everybody here is not going to be phased. But I mean, I don't know. Hosier seems like a very laid back chap, and he seems quite spiritual in his songs and his writing. And so perhaps actually, we're not giving him enough credit for the fact that he maybe would be kind of unflappable. He's like the only person who doesn't have anything to do with like the like dead people in this in this setup because everybody here is like a ghost fight. I feel like Granny Weatherwax has must have fought she's ghosts. She's dabbled in death. Yeah, you're no, she's or, done something with ghosts or or they are undead. You know whether they're a hot vampire undead or you know like quite literally a ghost. I mean so. that's intriguing that you put like a necromancer into the fold with ghosts with yeah. 
this could go anywhere this eve i'm not gonna lie exactly. to you there could be but, a hot you know undead necromancer romances happening also there could be or just like necromancer death i'm not sure everybody would uh would come back um hosey will just be singing away a bit of jackie wilson in the, in the background as everything's going on <laughs> Do you know what i mean stuff is yeah. flying He's but it would be singing. memorable it would be memorable <laughs> Okay, I'm. I like this. It is definitely that I want to go to this evening, and something I don't often say that this is what I <laughs> genuinely for Hosier alone in this exactly exactly. He's the draw. Place. He is the draw. I mean, Edward Cullen. You know, if I couldn't He's get Hosier, a teenage you know I mean? draw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think maybe I'm slightly too. Maybe I was a little too old for Twilight. I think the books kind of just skipped past me, and I kind of just got handed the films. And I have read the books, but I feel like maybe I was just that little bit too old. Oh, no, I was, I mean, my I've had to tape my copy of Twilight together. My cat is called Bella and she's 50, she's old. She's gonna be 16 this year. So like, you, that's how you know what, what the timing was. That's how um, you can tell. Did you buy the Edward, was there an Edward version of events book that came out, like told from Edward's perspective? Oh yes, I did buy that. I did, I got halfway through it and I was like, you know, I really don't need to relive this portion of my life um as joyful as it was and it sometimes was sometimes nostalgia needs to just be nostalgic exactly exactly that's really um sad. but I didn't I did read up into the past to see and I was like you know this is this tracks <laughs> this is accurate okay just as I remember <laughs> so is there anybody that is not going to be welcome at your evening Yes, Jacob would not be welcome my evening because oh. I just feel like that would be all kinds of chaos. like I feel like we've already got like the necromancers versus the dead people. We should maybe not have the necromancers versus the dead people versus Edward versus Jacob. And I just um, I also they're both very sulky when they're together. It's yes. all a bit I'm trying to think of a way of putting this politely. It's a bit kind of sword fighty in the old school way. You know, yes. we don't need a measuring contest. We no. do not. We do not. Gideon would not even. Can you imagine if they started the thing? Gideon would be in there. Oh my god, that would actually be a fight. I think they would. I think we would go from like from like tense to like a full on fist fight. A full um, blown. That's for for anyone else. But is it just Jacob? Is no. Yes. There's also this is maybe slightly more on the stranger end of things. But there's a really fabulous book called Leech by Hiram Ennis, which is phenomenal. Um, and it is basically it's basically like set in this creepy gothic castle in the I middle really of nowhere. I really struggle to read it. I'm such a wimp. Oh. I, I find it such a tough read. I mean, it's fantastic, but I'm I'm wimpy. It's Well, it's creepy and it's creepy because there is a leech in it. Um, and um, I think the leech from Leech would not be invited because I feel like that's a really great way to start um, a new kind of apocalypse. Yeah, and I have had a leech, uh, less terrifying one, but I've had a leech stuck to my foot before. It is they are not pleasant beasts, let alone in that no. No, they're not they're not dinner guests. No, no one wants a leech. You know, this isn't the 15th century. I mean, we're not bringing leeches to the dinner table. I think, you know, they can stay away. That's very <laughs> Jacob and a leech. <laughs> That is a, that's a book title or a band name. Jake and the Leech is a band somewhere someone needs to make or Hosea needs to write a song called Jake. That'll be the song name. Exactly, exactly. We'll be we'll be talking about the people we didn't invite, which is a very polite thing to do at these uh, these events. Yeah, like thank God Jacob's not here. Like, oh, do you know what? I thought the Leech would have really bought something to this evening. We'd be like, oh, was, where was the we'd be like, oh, Jacob and the Leech can come, and that's his new song. Yeah, we've got it. We've got his new best hit. 
you know that this is honestly I think this is one of my favorite evenings so far I'm genuine I'm a bit like oh this isn't going to be real is it because I'm like when is this I want to go but yeah, honestly this is sad. Been, oh I know that's the worst bit of doing this I think my evening I did for my kind of special obviously I'm Pedro Pascal because what an excuse it was, he was kind of my hosier and just loads of hot guys and girls from books and I was like this is never gonna happen I oh, know it's disappointing it's disappointing I feel like we've really got something in here for everybody yeah I have to say what do you think Penelope will be like at a party oh god I think she I mean she goes to a lot of parties she does um I she think looks she, great I think she would rock up look very very hot either be unflinchingly polite in a really terrifying you know when someone's like really angry and they get quiet and polite and the politer they get the more angry they get yeah. and then she'd get to that stage somebody would do something and then she'd just kill him and the party would be over You'd be like, great. Maybe Edward. Edward would do something or look at her funny. Yep, and he would die, and that would be that. Yeah, I'm low. I honestly cannot stop chuckling. This is such a good evening. And look, Georgia, before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your night, wishing this was real. (laughs) Are you reading anything at the moment? Yes. So I have just finished reading The Ministry of Time by Kaylin Bradley, and it is not out until May, but it is phenomenally good it's so I've only ever cried at two books in my life and that was the second one um it's so good it's basically asking the question like what would you what what would you do if you could expatriate certain you know historical figures who are kind of dead or or dying and bring them to our present day um and they're basically like time expats and so the book is about uh it's about sort of a couple of different people but this is sort of the main sort of person who sort of time travels who we sort of follow is this guy called uh Graham Gore and it is just phenomenal it's such a heartbreaking emotional like you will have all the feelings and then you will also have feelings over a guy who really lived and really died uh in the arctic um he was part of a sort of arctic um exploration that went sort of horribly wrong and the the whole team died or sort of went missing I, I think they you know they oh, died gosh. um but it's really really phenomenal I am so mad it's not out until May because like I, I need to t- I need to like talk to everybody I know about it and about the ending it's so good I can't recommend it enough oh my goodness I'm literally like who do I hit up for a copy of this book where I go for a copy of this book that sounds so good do, do you have anything next up on your reading list um I am dying to read I've, I've managed to snatch sorry I feel bad I'm just like talk about books that, have, that aren't coming out for another couple of months um but I'm I'm, like, <laughs> I am dying one of my friends gave the proof to me as like uh as I guess as a kind of like um because I've been talking to her about it so much and she gave it to me the launch so I was like clutching somebody else's book at this launch going oh my god I can't I'm so excited they're like Jordan you need to put that down um you hold your own book <laughs> oh it's gonna look strange um but it is the warm hands of ghosts by Catherine <gasps> Arden I am a massive Catherine Arden fan. I'm so excited. And I think as well, it's another one that's kind of a bit sort of timey, sort yeah, of time nonsense I've nonsense-y. got the pre-order because, I mean, as well, it's it's such a beautiful book. I, have I, also... didn't even, I didn't even read the blurb. I just bought it to begin with. I saw her I have, name. I saw what it looked like. I've also done it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I have also got... I was like, she, she, I was like, oh, that is like a pre-order, like guaranteed pre-order, Waterstones edition. I'm so excited. I also like very, very quickly want to shout out because I really, really love this book. Um, and I read it quite recently. It's Now is Not the Time to Panic by Kevin Wilson. Um, 
And it's very short. Um, and it's basically about these two teenagers who decide one summer that they're going to make art and they're going to make this really, you know, they just have all these feelings. And you know, like when you're a teenager and you're like, I'm going to make art and it's going to be important and it's going to be meaningful. And I they was make a full-blown this... emo. I was right. That's what we did was make emotional art. <laughs> I mean, that that, yes, that is like, so they basically make this poster and, um, you know, really like, they can't really pinpoint what it is, but it really like inspires something in people or nerves people. Like it elicits a feeling from people. And so they start putting it up all over town. And then the town, you know, some some other person sees it and like does their own poster and someone like does like 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 Xerox copies of of the poster and puts them up themselves. And so it sort of elicits this almost like satanic panic in in the town. Um and then kind of, you know, um this is really this is a spoiler because it's sort of talked about at the very beginning of the book. Um, but years later, this the, the, one of the teenagers gets a, as an adult now, as a sort of a parent, gets a phone call, and somebody hasn't figured out who this person is, and it is so it's it's one of those books that isn't speculative but feels speculative, and it's just such a great book to read if you you know if you're like in love with the idea of art or if you like you know you know if you remember what it felt like to like be making something really exciting and important that you didn't quite understand but was really meaningful to you oh I love that it sounds a bit weird as well and I love that it's just yeah I'm putting it's this so on my good list. basically you give me all these books that I'm like <laughs> rapidly jotting down like right I need to get this one I need to get this one all these books that aren't out as well I'm like I know I know now is not the time to panic is out like, that's, get that's that a good one. thing one I of them is great on <laughs> Well, look, George, this has been honestly so much fun. Thank you so much. The City of Stardust is out now. It's, I loved it. I absolutely cannot recommend it enough. It's going to do fantastically. And thank you so much for chatting with me. Oh, thank you so much. It's been so much fun. Going to be unhinged. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Novel Evening. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making it. Please remember to go over and rate, subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcasts and check us out on Instagram at A Novel Evening Podcast and over on TikTok under the same name. And we'll see you next week. Bye bye.